Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. It is not too late to go to clanproject.org forward slash redress scheme and support the survivors and the people affected by mother and baby homes and let your TD know that this redress scheme is not fit for purpose. I also have to ask you to try and help keep this show on the road. The Tortoise Shack is ad free and sponsor free and wants to remain without editorial control and how we do that is listeners like you pay it forward. It's the Patreon link that's in the podcast you're listening to right now. Click the link and see if there's a level that suits your budget. And there's a ton of extra content for for the few quid you throw us, including exclusives between myself and Martin uh, that we had this week. I had a great conversation with Konstantin Gordiev in Colorado, and Rory had a fascinating conversation with the discourse between mental health and mental illness with Dr. Calvin Swords, uh, another great listen there. All of those are available on the Patreon feed in one place and completely plea-free. I won't lie, January was a crazy month because our listenership grew and yet our support fell. And that's just not sustainable, to be blunt. So if you can, click the link and try it for a month. That's all I'm asking. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. And I won't delay you any further. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I am back again, folks, talking about what has been a very difficult, difficult time in uh, in my local community and in many working class communities and areas across Dublin uh, and across the country indeed. And we've seen this boiling up for a number of years now, but it's spilled out onto our streets for the first time in ways that we hoped we wouldn't see and in ways that we hope we we will won't see go the building and maybe Maybe there is uh, a lot of opportunities here now to to talk about how we actually address concerns uh, and without without the rhetoric and without engaging in far right talking points and the other issues that have been plaguing these these I want I almost wanted to say the word debates but there hasn't been debates it's just been people shouting and we can't, we don't want that uh, I'm delighted to be rejoined on the podcast again by the chair of Unite Against Racism Mehmet Ulada Mehmet how are you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, greetings to you and to all our listeners. Uh, I'm very well, just back from uh, Lesbos, uh, Mitalini, uh, and and uh, busy as ever, uh, surviving, more yeah, than surviving. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Lesbos, and it's it's it, it was a point that it, first of all, uh, we've listeners who are familiar with this podcast will know the story of the the people who were 23 people sorry 24 people i believe it was mm-hmm. who, who were on trial for effectively trying to help people uh at sea who are at risk of drowning migrants trying to make their way to shore uh, and we've seen the criminalization of what we would have thought is just human decency in many regards uh, and we also know the eu has had these uh, votes in the in the near in the near uh, past, where they talked about you know not creating a pull factor. If we have these rescues, it creates a pull factor. People will come. If we do these things, it'll benefit the people smugglers. It will encourage people smuggling. Um, and we've even seen to the point, unfortunately, where members of our own uh, government have voted in the European Parliament to stop the the search and rescue at 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 certain points and on the crossing and fortress europe is something that we've mentioned several times but is really 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 the ugly side of it and i also want to mention because uh it, you know it's a real disappointment to me that even the 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 left wing government podemos in 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 spain um have said that they don't want a parliamentary inquiry into the june massacre last year of 30, 37 refugees in malia i mean this is the sort of stuff that's happening within the EU. 
and we're supposed to pretend that we're some sort of bastion of democracy and, and human rights. Anyway, Mehmet, how was Lesbos and what can you tell us about your experiences of what was a, a trial that should have woken a lot of people up? Uh, indeed. Uh, thanks, Tony. Uh, we had Sean Binder, as uh, your listeners uh, may know from the T.G. Kahar uh, uh, documentary and uh, uh, and the story became even more internationally known with the movie The Swimmers, uh, the, the two Syrian sisters who swam their way uh, to, uh, uh, to to Greek island. Uh, so Sean Binder is one of the 24, a young man, a very nice, gentle young man. Uh, 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 I think half of his family is from Kerry and Germany, who decided that uh, seeing the human suffering uh, in the Mediterranean and in, in the Aegean, he decided to go and join a legal NGO operating on the island of uh, Lesbos mm-hmm. uh, because he had skills that he thought he can offer as a volunteer. Uh, uh, you know, he's a professional swimmer, he, he's, he's a strong young man, uh, and he wanted to work part of this NGO helping out uh, refugees uh, uh, in difficulty at sea. And he has been doing this for some years, uh, with the full knowledge and indeed cooperation of the Greek Coast Guard and the uh, authorities, it's a legal NGO. Mm-hmm. And after a while, uh, suddenly things have changed, and himself, along with twenty-four others, including some refugees in the screen in these uh, uh, numbers, I think, Sarah Mardini, Nassos from uh, uh, Greece, and Sean Binder, uh, as the three sort of known international names, and twenty-one others have been charged with mm. uh, some sort of insignificant uh, charges, but also with felony charges, which carries 25 years in prison if they are convicted. Some of the charges are human trafficking, aiding uh, 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 illegal uh, uh, border crossing, uh, espionage, and, and using secret devices. That's, by the way, WhatsApp, because it seems to be uh, <laughs> encrypted. Money laundering and this, that, and the other charges. Yeah. Uh, the case has been in the making for four years, and the trial opened two weeks ago uh, in, in, in Lesbos. And I went, following Sean's meeting with the United Against Racism members, a public meeting, I went on behalf of the organization to show our solidarity, to observe the trial, and indeed report back and have a first-hand experience. It is a political trial. It is a trial of absolute ridiculous uh, arguments. The defendants don't know what exactly they are charged with, how they are charged with. Sarah Mardini, the Syrian woman, is not allowed to come to Lesbos to defend herself because she's deemed to be a a, a, a security risk by the Greek government. She's, by the way, UN envoy for refugees and goodwill, right? And a trial of absolute uh, crazy stuff, which has no basis in many of the cases, and, and four years in the making. I believe it's a political trial because it has achieved what it in the first instance wanted to achieve. Stop activists operating. Yes. That, stop- that, that's, I wanted to get to that. That's the, sometimes the, the ambition of this is not the, it's not the uh, pursuit of justice. It's to have that chilling effect on the other people who may think that actually, um, you know, saving lives isn't a criminal, uh, isn't a criminal venture. And, and, Tony, and this yeah. happens in the face of Frontex being all over the international media, 
for its corruption and for its pushback, which the Guardian reported may have caused the deaths of 2,000 people. Pushbacks basically when they arrive to the shores that the Frontex or the Coast Guard in Greece will have pushed them back to the open water and they get into difficulty and they drop. That's an official report. So this happens in the face of all this horrific situation and human rights defenders are put on trial, which then scares the rest or aims to scare the rest of people who want to do humanitarian work, legal humanitarian work to defend human rights and people's rights. And where do they, where do we sit now, Mehmet, since where where do you think? These smaller charges, the misdemeanor charges have been dropped because they had no basis. And it seems the prosecution, and we have to be very careful not to preempt any of these things because things move very fast and sometimes they don't move at all. It seems the prosecution is all over the place and they may, if they wanted to, spend another 15 years to continue preparing the case. But it's felony charges seeming that they have this timeline and this timeline to prepare the case without actually bringing it to any conclusion. But it seems they're taking a step back now they are not as aggressive in their charges and their arguments as in the beginning. So I think there is light at the end of tunnel, but not just yet. We are at the end of the tunnel. So there's huge international attention to the case. And I think it went right into the hearts and minds of people, ordinary people saying, what the hell is this? Seriously, you may be against refugees. You may be wanting or not wanting refugees. You may have ideas about this, that, and the other. But as Sean Binder put it very elegantly, he said, if you saw a car accident and you rushed to help, would you check the uh, victim's passport or his pulse first? All we did is that we checked their pulse first. That's a very good point. This is a very good point. If your neighbor's house is on fire, do you really care as a human being whether they have a criminal record, whether they are illegally here, whatever that means, whether they're good people or bad people, or do you just say, let's at least save the children, even if you can't save everyone? You know what I mean? Can I I ask? Can I ask from a, a, an overview point from the EU, why aren't we seeing more of an interjection from those um, in, higher up in the EU to say, look, this is an issue. Does it suit the EU that there's, that there's no pushback? To, to be honest with you, I think Greece, again, as activists themselves, as, as analysts have uh, uh, presented and debated the case, and we had lots of very great discussions with international activists from Holland, from Germany, from all sorts of places, right, coming in solidarity. It seems the Europe at the moment keeps silent about this. It knows this trial is a farce. It knows human rights uh, and helping people on at sea is not a crime. It knows that there is nothing illegal about it. But Greece is a frontier of the European Union and is the first line of European Union policies. There are 120 plus MEPs in the European Parliament who signed the declaration of support and demanded the case to be dropped. These are generally progressive, left-wing, etc. Uh, Democrats in the European Parliament, but that's just you know is not. But but they're but they're, but they're not they're not the majority. No, no, no. And and that's very clear. And I mean, I, I 
I read a, I read an article today which was quite funny. Um, and this is uh, uh, listeners mightn't have seen this. I don't know if you saw it, Martin. That um, the EPP, the having famously finally parted ways with with Viktor Orban, are playing footsie with um, with the new Italian government on the idea that they it's might join just them. Unsurprising, really, isn't it? But it just shows you. So when you say about the Europe, is there is there political will to push back no uh we only have to look at as i said um as when we at the outset of this podcast how disappointing it is to see Podemos, which has a, a border with effectively morocco is what is what they're doing and they're and they're saying we don't want any inquiry into the deaths of 37 people Mehmet. so so clearly it, it comes down to this mentality that maybe maybe having this idea of uh these push factors as opposed to these pull factors is good politics that's that seems to be the case, and let's not forget it's not Greece. In Italy, we have seen ship captains being put on trial for rescuing uh, uh, refugees at sea. Now, by the way, international maritime laws say if if a ship is in the in, in distress, you gotta help, right? And recently, we have seen the Italian government, for example, changing the laws where if you find a couple of refugees at sea and you take them on board, you have to find a, a port that the authorities assign you to go to, therefore stopping you from further search and rescue operations for days in, days out, right? So Europe is playing this game, I think, failing people, Europeans in Europe, housing crisis, unemployment, inflation, cost of living, and meanwhile, the postal gate scandal where some people don't have to even remember how much time, how many thousands they spent or they received, while the rest of us have ah, to look, 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 there's a guy who didn't live. even know there's a guy who didn't even know he had 14 houses met, like yes. so and then Europe is failing the rest of uh, humanity at its European borders. So it, it's it, an interesting situation we are finding ourselves at this present time, 21st century Europe. Are we going for a Europe of human rights, democracy, inclusiveness, a Europe of justice, a Europe of fair play, or are we going for a Europe that is really has created a border barbarism where the European borders are now the deadliest borders? Well, well we have fortress no, no, hang, Europe. Martin, fortress Europe. Martin, I was just speaking about an hour ago with um, with Hannah McCarthy in Beirut, and you know Lebanon is tiny; it's a dot, and it took in you know a, a million Syrian refugees. It's got third generation Palestinian refugees there they still treat those Palestinians differently they're not entitled to certain protections under under law they are not equal citizens but we we have no clue about you know a real um refugee and the EU has outsourced its you know its refugee crisis by doing this by having wars elsewhere in the world and and then displacing and then saying we'll actually we'll pay Turkey we'll pay Lebanon we'll pay these other places to maintain these things and then we have a dishonesty at the heart of it of of like how we're supposed to treat these people um and I, again and I, it's the myth of you know the the EU as this kind of benign player where it's not true and the, the Sean Binder case makes it very clear. He, I think he said himself, you know, the EU is is deploying dogs to vicious attack people trying to cross borders, propelling asylum seekers to the hands of smugglers within with their own border policies. They're pushing people into the illegal routes. I want to ask a question, though, which is something that is of great interest to me, because I keep hearing this line and no, no doubt you hear it a lot, Mehmet. Uh, they keep saying, I've no problem as long as they come here legally. Tell me, Mehmet, right? First of all, tell me that this idea that someone can all of a sudden just flee whatever, whether it's um, 
some sort of uh, uh, human rights breaches, be it war, be it catastrophe, be it LGBT rights, be it some you know political persuasion, all of these things. How? What are the legal? What are the legal routes that are open to these people that don't actually involve them having to present themselves and say, "I am looking for asylum. I am. I am a refugee." It seems to me that this is this is another myth. I think uh, the playing with words and introducing new concepts has been part of the game. Let's be very clear about how does one become an asylum seeker or a refugee crossing borders. It is not where you apply. With your passport, that is null and void at this stage because your country is at war, your government is not recognized by many many governments, etc., 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 right? And there's bombs dropping left, right, center. The crossing of the border as an asylum seeker, without, with or without a passport, which may or may not be valid anymore or recognized anymore, is not an act of illegality. Every human being, according to European Union laws, according to UN uh, conventions, according to Geneva Convention, has the right to cross the border safely and apply to be processed and to have the right to seek uh, refuge. It's up to the governments to process the person, make the decision one way or the other, etc. But the act of crossing the border without a passport, without a visa, or with, doesn't matter, is not a criminal activity. It is a right defined by the Human Rights uh, Convention item 14.A or B, I can't remember, that every human being has the right to seek refuge and apply for safety. What happens thereafter is a process that needs to happen according to the human rights, according to the civil rights, according to the international uh, laws and whatnot. But we have suddenly triggered this new debate, illegal immigration, right? A Syrian person escaping the war doesn't necessarily calculate to come to Ireland or to Germany or stay in Greece or Turkey. The first thing is the cross the border where there are no bombs dropping on his children or her children. That's not an illegality. Now, in Ireland, we have migrants coming to work here. We have tourists coming to work here. We have people on short-term educational uh, 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 visas, whatnot. We have asylum seekers and we have UN refugees. Basically, UN official takes these people and Ireland has signed up to it, right? None of these categories are illegal. And if you don't have a visa and you want to come to Ireland and study or you want to have a job here, you want to buy a house here, you need to go to the Irish government's embassies around the world. You need to apply for papers and whatnot. If you're an asylum seeker, a refugee, you're fleeing. Remember, you're not coming for a life choice. You cross the border and the only time, the only possibility for you to apply for asylum status and to be seen by the government is when you actually enter the country. So you can't say entering the country is illegal and you need to come legally first and then we can make you, we can look at your process. The only option is to come and apply here. There's also a hypocrisy to it, Mehmet, in that both ourselves and the British like to think of our illegal immigrants as something different. I mean, I think this the a study I saw said for every parish in Ireland, there are 10 illegal immigrants in the US. Now, they are actually illegal immigrants. They have actually dodged the visa process. And we campaign to have them made as naturalized citizens quite often, quite often. 
Do you think that narrative is damaging genuine refugee or, or even, you know, kind of the argument about illegal legal? To be honest with you, the illegality, legality is a construct mm. by mainstream media, by politics. Can I come in? on? I want to say something on that. It's very important. This is bullshit. This line that they're peddling that, that, this, that these are legal, these are illegal. 2016, as recently as 2016, Ireland signed up to the UN member states, New York Declaration on Refugees and Migrants. 2016. OK, so don't tell me that that this is, you know, where oh, the laws have changed. We so we every time we've gone along and there's and, and we have to be very clear on this. This we have obligations under international law. And they and now this message then whereby and the challenge, boy, by the way, goes to a lot of political correspondents and, and journalists who are reporting this nonsense because the government then released a press release, say we're going to get tougher on illegal um, migration at the at, at the point of entry. You can't do that, as Mehmet has just said. You have to give people the right to present. Am I, Mehmet, am I incorrect? No, you're absolutely correct. And that statement by Leo Varadkar was one that actually replaced another statement that should have come from the governments. Rather than acknowledging housing crisis, the crisis uh, and the failures of the government, Leo Varadkar took upon himself to create an agenda of illegal immigration as if it's a problem in Ireland. Look. We had undocumented migrants in Ireland. You all remember, you know, migrant rights campaign groups, etc. have been campaigning, 20,000, 30,000. These were people who came to this country working, living in communities. Somehow they became undocumented of one reason or, or, or the other. Over two, three months period, they became documented. And who suffered from that? Nobody. The local bloody nurse, the man sweeping the streets, the person looking after your children suddenly became a proper citizen resident, and it wasn't a harm done to anyone. So these people weren't illegal. They were just, they fell into the cracks. And then there's this argument about as if there's a calculated scheme, a grand scheme of sending the man, you know, into Ireland, the black, brown man. Look, let's be clear about this, right? A lot of old people can't leave. Being a refugee crossing mountains and borders are not easy. A lot of old people don't want to leave. A lot of families with children are very cautious not to risk their lives of their children. Like the Irish man during the famine or beyond, going to America. Young man, of course, went. Why? Because they are trying to establish a new life for them and for their families. They are not just there to take our jobs or take our women or take our unused, disused office buildings because it's such a comfortable place to live. They're just trying to survive. In Lesbos, I went to the UN camp, 1,500 refugees. I stayed and we dined together with two Syrian families. They cooked dinner for us. Shame on us. We should have cooked dinner for them. So we were allowed into the camp and we spent a couple of hours with them, right? The agency of these people to establish a new life, to resist, maintain, build life, plant trees around their tents, try to educate their children. I have seen Syrian children speaking Arabic, Kurdish, Greece, Greek, and English. I have seen fathers, mothers, their eyes get, getting watery when they talk about the future of their children. These people are not here to take some bloody disused building in East Wall. These people don't even care about those things because they look at their children and their eyes get watery because they know going back is not an option and they're being stuck in between the European borders and the sea. And looking at these people, I just saw my brothers and sisters. I just saw the history of Irish people in their eyes. 
I just saw the Irish immigrants in Manchester in London building, working in the building sites, being labeled as drunk, disorderly, subhuman. Remember the press in, the, in Britain and America. I have seen the Irish immigrants in Germany working on three shifts in order to be able to send a bit of money to their families in Ireland. I have seen our history in their current life. You know what I mean? And I said, we are only brothers and sisters. So we can't keep ticking uh, down. We have to collectively take up for a world that actually allows every child to have a future. Because the rest is barbarism. That's absolutely clear. And we have the, well, I mean, what do you add to that? You can't add to that. But can I ask you a, a, a question then about the protests and counter protests that have been happening and the work of United Against Racism in combating these 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 uh, far right talking points? Because I want to make I want to frame it in such a way as the work that you guys have done and community activists. I want to shout out some brilliant community activists that have been doing some terrific work. I mean, in my own area, uh, I, I don't want to politicize, but Connor Reddy is P and his friends in, from PBP have played an absolute blinder in continuing to go to people's doors and meet them where they are. Uh, and I, you know, Lynn Rowan wrote a wonderful piece in the journal that explained a lot of a lot of this a lot better than I can. But it, it struck me, Mehmet, that people like yourself, people like the people uh, that are in those local communities that are in the that are activists that are grassroots people, they're doing a whole lot more than our political leaders are to to try and um, push back against these these how do I put it uh, malignant uh, bad faith actors. To be honest with you. There is poison in the society at the moment. It's spreading. And this is not the fault or, 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 or this is not just ordinary people. There are people with lots of questions, lots of anxieties, lots of fear, but there are those who are exploiting these. Now, those, by the way, I have not once seen at any progressive rally demanding good things for good people. Those who defend supposedly against the black and brown man the Irish woman, the Irish family, were those who were protesting in front of abortion clinics where Irish women have fought for decades, basically. Those who doesn't seem to care whether people are homeless or they're on breadline or they're poor, but suddenly claim to be the voices of the voiceless, right? Those, on the other hand, who actually go out onto the streets, including ourselves, but many others, thankfully many others, who want to welcome the refugees, are those the same people who also fight for housing, fight for hospital uh, uh, beds, fight for better school places, fight for against the climate change, better measures against the climate change, fight for equality, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, and whatnot. So to me, it sounds like you fight for refugees, refugee rights, not because you are some maniac in love with every bloody refugee in the country, right? It's because it's the humanity that you need to defend, right? Only if you fight for these things. And if you fight against the refugees and you don't actually care about anything else in society, what happens in Balimon, in Finglas, in Eastwall, to the ordinary working class people, and you've never been there to do anything for those people, but suddenly you are their masters, ideological masters, then you're a hypocrite, at uh, least to say, or you're outright racist. Can I ask a question, Mehmet? Taking that into consideration and taking all of that into consideration, do you think that the current politics of the government is playing into that hands in that there is 
a housing crisis in that there is a, a, a crisis in the health service in that there is a crisis in homelessness in that we have the the highest per capita rate of low paid workers in the eu do you think all of that is playing into the hands of those people who want to use uh, the black brown person as a divisive issue absolutely and i think this is not just this government suddenly inheriting a problem or the ukrainian war the horrible war invasion of ukraine by russia creating suddenly this massive turmoil what not this is been in the making in ireland 21st century one of the richest countries in europe a small country which has quite significant number of millionaires billionaires landlords sitting in the government government offices right this has been in the making the refugee crisis has been in the making the housing crisis has been in the making the health crisis is in the making except the uh, the metro north that's never in the making you know it's never happening basically right except real climate i love it i love it <laughs> like island is full of data centers island is full of landlords island is full of empty houses island is full of millionaires island is full of non-tax paying corporations avoiding tax legal or which way right but Ireland suddenly is presented as if it's full of refugees, and only if we got rid of the refugees, everything else will be rock and roll, and here we go again, wonderful. Look, these guys partied throughout the Celtic Tiger, while the communities in Ballymun, Finglas, Blanchestown, and, and uh, Drimna have, have suffered from, you know, from low incomes and housing difficulties, health difficulties, and it seems we are living in parallel worlds. I mean, the man doesn't even remember that he had to the tune of 10,000 euro donations from a businessman, but he doesn't remember. Some people are lucky enough in this world not to remember that amount of money being paid or received. How lucky you must be that that's just a small money you don't even have to remember. You know what I mean? For oh, well, he, he misremembered. He misremembered. But we but we are fitting up. I love the framing that you've done there. And, and Ireland is not full. OK, we know that and no person is illegal. But here's my here's my question about the community side things again. The you have a fact sheet. I know you guys have used it, you know, to yeah. talk about how how are you being met in, in those one to one conversations that you're having with people? It, how has it been received? Because it starts for, honestly from a position of confrontation quite often. Uh, and and it cannot be easy to, ha- to have those conversations. And it could it could be you know me trying to c- convince Martin that he, he looks ridiculous in that thing that he's wearing there, Mehmet. But we have Which to we, exactly, and we have to have that conversation. So, but how have you been finding the the those how how the people that work with you guys not how have they been finding the reception that they're getting when they're trying to actually tell the actual you know tell the these break down the talking points and, and explain what's really happening. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm sure a lot of different campaign groups, individuals have their own experiences and they're absolutely very important to, to collectivize and, and learn from each other, right? But one sees a definitely a society that has full of questions and distrust to governments. We see that, right? These people are not necessarily in our communities, or neighbors, or brothers, sisters. They're not outright racist. They're not racist even. But they have fears, anger, anxiety, and they have sometimes disbelief that, for example, the housing crisis will be solved, or the health crisis will be solved, because it's getting worse, right? 
So not everyone is going to sit every day and strategize about how to think about issues, right? People react sometimes to immediate things, right? We find it a mixed bag of responses among ourselves with people we engage, where people have questions, anxieties, they ask, they, 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 they have opposition to number of refugees coming, but then when you challenge them and ask them about the small child, they are very human, humanist about it. So I think what we are seeing here is going back to Martin's question. All these social issues, economic issues that actually cr is crushing people is disabling people to have hope for a better society. And we have to challenge that hopelessness. And we have to say, we can win this together. We can have more beds, more houses. Ireland has money. We can have a better society. I'm not even talking about revolutionizing the society overnight. I'm talking about doing the bloody decent thing, build public houses. That is not a revolution. That is what Ireland did in 50s, 60s, right? Build houses, recruit more nurses, implement more social policies, and the society will actually be at ease. At the moment, we find a lot of people are anxious. That's natural. We are all anxious, right? And then this anxiety is obviously hijacked and used for their own purpose by the far right and others. And I think the government just sits back and says, great. No one wants to challenge our housing uh, 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 crisis. Well, people are challenging. It's just we need to organize these challenges and we need to get out there. And we need to say, not one child left behind. Every child deserves a home. And guess what? Today, and this is a fact, if every refugee, asylum seeker in Ireland, was kicked out of this country, all you will end up with is hotel rooms, disused, uh, 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 buildings, non-family suitable friendly establishments where you couldn't house the Irish people, mm. right? Housing crisis was pre-Ukrainian war, housing crisis was before the refugees coming to Ireland. And remember, between 2005 and 2015, the number of asylum seekers coming to Ireland was very, very low. Ireland was not flooded by asylum seekers and refugees, right? I think we need to be very clear. It's the lack of housing that keeps Irish people and others and everyone homeless, not that an ESP building is full of asylum seekers and refugees. Check them out if that solves your problem. But guess what? It's not going to solve the bloody problem. Yeah, it I... is important that we understand that. And it is important we need to say, if you are elected to solve the housing crisis, you're going to solve the housing crisis, or we are going to actually kick you out of the government. We have to do that. Yeah, I, there's there's no there's no better way. I mean, a country with 166 vacant vacant homes, or you know, 166,000 vacant homes doesn't have uh, isn't full, can't be full under any 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 stretch of the imagination, and any talking point can do it. The other the other fear I have though is that, sadly, I think when we point at government. We keep hearing that social media is the problem. Social media is the problem. But I think that quite often, unfortunately, it's the the the, the phone call, as they say, is coming from inside the house. Uh, you know, you're you're hearing like uh, a, a Fine Gael TD, um, uh, Mr. O'Donovan, uh, last week saying things that are just literally in in breach of international law. Simple, simple as that. You cannot do these things, and they're being repeated. And then you've got political correspondents. Not fact checking what's been happening. They're just simply repeating the line because they're reporting now. They're not actually doing journalism. They're reporting. And when you have that sort of nonsense, then it makes it easier then for the guy who is already 
thinking that hey, you know this is a bad thing this is i'm not doing so well because of them them ones well the government agree with you pal because they've just said it they said the problem is actually those dozen people who tore up their passports in Dublin airport or, or some nonsense like that. And that's the and that's the myth. And we we, we need to counter that. It's very. Adam Muhammad was great on this podcast uh, just just a couple of weeks ago when he made the point about, you know, uh, he's seen people in Ballymun. He was very disappointed as as a Ballymunner himself, but he didn't see any of them at the Raise the Roof marches. He hasn't seen them there. Let, you know, so so that's where you need to be. That's where you need to be. Mar- when Leo Wattgaard mentioned two weeks ago about illegal immigration and tightening our immigration procedures, look, I'm an immigrant, right? And it's very important to understand that there is no immigration loopholes or, or a soft touch uh, Ireland, basically. It's very strict, actually. Ireland isn't even in Schengen, for example, right? A journalist should have asked the question, how many illegal immigrants do we have? How did they arrive? Are you categorizing asylum seekers and refugees as immigrants? Are you categorizing those who may have overstayed their visa as illegal immigrants? Who are the group of people you are referring to? Can you please be very specific and explicit about it? Because you can't just throw out these concepts and then just fold your arms and let's hope this will trigger another wave of poison in the society. Mehmet, I have to say, every time you come on here, you remind us that you are a brother and you absolutely do do remind us that you're a brother and it's always a pleasure to talk to you it's always a pleasure to know that the concerns of people are the same the world over family bit of comfort bit of income and a safe roof over the house and we are all pretty much the same no matter where we come from thanks for taking the time to talk to us as always a pleasure thank you martin thank you tony I do want to say one thing before we wrap that's important is 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 to go back to where it has started. That trial is not over in Greece. Those things are still carrying on. The EU is part we're supposed to be this bastion for for hope for 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 the the future despite what's happening in climate change. It's only going to get worse if 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 climate change breaks down like it's going to and we have to be honest about this right now. Uh if people if Martin as you always say a billion people could be on the move. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't build walls against a billion people. You just can't. You're, you're better off trying to solve but, the problems. But unfortunately, we have people who want us not to build walls. They want us to build missiles and 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 these sort of things. And this is where this is where we have always had a, you know, again, Aaron Dahi Roy calls them the the lifestyle wars. Wars fought over there, so we can keep the lifestyle that we're accustomed to. This is getting. This is now the the, the point where where if you're putting at these levels, we have to be honest with this, and the EU has to do better. So maybe maybe if nothing else, you take away from this podcast, think about who you're putting into the European Parliament for God's sake. Think about the people who are doing that, and think about the the affiliations they're making. What groups are they members of? Who are they? Who are they? Who are they lining up with to vote with? Because too many of them are vo- voting with these hard right blocks that are literally dog whistling away all the time and saying stuff that we all we would say, oh, you couldn't say that in polite society. Well, they're saying it in the bloody European Parliament. Yeah, yeah. Tony, there are five more than five thousand lobbyists in Brussels at the European Parliament. They're not lobbying for people's housing rights, healthcare rights, pensions rights. They're lobbying for interests of really of the gatherings in Davos, for example. Right. Yes. I need to really look hard and deep into. What sort of society is it that we're about to build here? A society that left majority of the people outside in the cold and inside their partying all night 
Or is the society that welcomes every person? Because remember, people also come with a pair of very skillful hands, capable mind, new ideas, and a new contribution to the society. Like the Irish in New York, like the Irish in London, like the major cities of any, any world uh, 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 city where immigrants have contributed so much. And immigrants are the backbone of the economy, along with all other workers. These are also workers. We can, yeah. we can work together. Thanks, Mehmet. Peace out, brother. Thank Thanks you very much. Listen, folks, we'll be back. Um, we have, an, oh, there's there's another conversation coming up with uh, two two young women who have uh, been forced out of Dublin because of the rental crisis. And some of the commutes these people are doing now just to keep their jobs is just staggering. So we're covering that as well with Rory in the next uh, in the next day or two as well. Um, and oh, uh, we, we there's, I think there's two me and you pods out there at the moment as well. There is, yeah, yeah, there's a couple out there. Yeah. Uh, and we had a good deep dive into uh, our uh, former Minister for Finance and, and uh, the guy who's on his feet now telling us that he just he just misremembered things uh we will talk to you all very very soon one last just Mehmet, you did say you know like london like like new york like all these places pity nothing was done out in ashbourne martin talk to you soon take care oh. <laughs> <laughs> very good. tony and martin martin and tony speaking to interesting people only it's the Subscribe now on page.